Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. This is your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. Hi, everyone. This is Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds. And I'm super excited today to welcome our guest, Becky Bracken, editor at Dark Reading. Welcome, Becky. Hi, Christine. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I know you're probably super busy, um, you know, working and then gearing up for Black Hat coming up, which I'm sure we'll get into here in a little bit. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and get started. I'd love to just hear a little bit about your background. I know you were a freelancer, you wrote for Threat Posts and a few other cybersecurity publications recently, then a few other general publications earlier in your career. Can you give us an overview of your background and then how you got um, to where you are now? Sure. Um, thanks for asking. I rarely get to talk about myself as a journalist, so it's a little awkward, but yes, I, I uh, was a print journalism uh, major, graduated and was a print journalist um, uh, for newspapers right out of college. And then I got hired uh, to work on a group of telecommunications magazines right in the early 2000s. And so I was working on telecom um, when we were still describing to our readers what an API was and, and that sort of thing. So I came up with a bit of a tech, pivoted, um, did some television and, you know, kind of gathered as much multimedia experience as I could. And um, you know, kept covering telecom. Uh, then I got an opportunity through a colleague to join Threat Post, which was really my first sort of nosedive into cybersecurity. And I really love it. And so then went from Threat Post over to Dark Reading, where I'm doing the uh, webinar series on the editorial side, a uh, bit of reporting and writing, editing, and, and that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah, that's quite a background. So how did you how do you feel about the cybersecurity space now that you're kind of deep into it with a dark reading? It's terribly exciting. Um, the most exciting thing for me as a person who, you know, my tools in my toolbox are about writing and communicating. And so for me, being able to interface interface with really brilliant people who are doing cutting edge work is really exciting. I mean, it's an I gotta learn something new every day. So it might as well be something interesting. Um, there's also a little bit of cops and robbers uh, aspect mm -hmm. to it, which makes it fun and exciting. But um, most importantly, the cybersecurity community is an incredible group of generous people, generous with their time, um, with their advice. And so, you know, coming into, I guess, my fourth or fifth year in the industry, I'm just so grateful to all the people who have taken tons of time and care to explain the way they view the world. And so I hope I do that justice in my work every day. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's um, definitely learning every single day up from you know the resources I'm sure that you talk to on a regular basis. And we're, we're all learning. I mean, even yeah. the experts on the other end of the phone, I mean, that's kind of the most exciting thing about it. You know, I, I was in a room with CISOs recently at RSA, where I'm sure most of us were, mm -hmm. and I was asking them, you know, about the stress level and, you know, how do you, how do you handle that? And one of the frankest answers I got, which was off the record, so I won't share the source, but mm -hmm. they said, we're in this business because we like a crisis. We are comfortable in a crisis. 
We like running to the crisis and solving it. And so I guess I'm sort of akin to that as a journalist spirit. So um, I find that aspect of it kind of interesting as well. Sure. Yeah, that is super interesting. Good perspective. Um, so I know we're, we hear a lot about and, and read a lot about, especially in dark reading, about um, the latest breaches and vulnerabilities, hearing a lot about AI these days. What are some of like the major topics that you're seeing that you're covering and kind of your take on those? It's interesting you mentioned AI. I don't think it's a big secret that that is sort of mm-hmm. the the new um uh, I don't want to say buzzword because it, it is legitimate, but I I think that a lot of people are of the mind that having AI as part of the conversation sort of just keeps them um, at the forefront. It sort of keeps them on trend. It keeps their keywords up. I would say that um, I I would the answer. Let me put it this way: the questions I will be asking the experts that I'm seeing is where do we separate the hype versus Mm -hmm. where we really are? I think that um, even outside of business publications like Dark Reading, people are talking all the time about AI is going, you know, James Cameron is giving us his input on AI and and Elon Musk, uh, you know, so these are hardly experts on the topic. And so what I would like to do specifically with machine learning and AI and the like is I would like to have us drill down back to brass tacks on these topics. Mm. I think um, zero trust is a very good example of how a buzzword can kind of overtake the reality and Mm. even the technology. So I think it's very important as an industry, as someone who is kind of trying to inject conversation, I would like to sort of do the gut check on AI. And I'm looking forward to doing that quite a bit at Black Hat. I like that. I think that's really important because yeah, just like zero trust, you just hear and then it becomes its own technology, its own solution. And it just takes over, you know, marketing and (laughs) every part of security. So I'm really interested in seeing when you ask that question, how how do you separate the AI hype, you know, from reality and, and basics? I'm really interested in seeing where you go with that and kind of what you end up reporting on at Black Hat. I am too. So stay tuned. Yeah. I love that. That's interesting. Um, now, when we, you look back at, you know, some of your career, I know you've been in the cybersecurity space for four to five years. What has been one of your most memorable stories to, to work on and to write? I got to tell you, I had a, I had a fun one last week that really sort of jumped out. Um, there had been a, a lot of conversation, um, around logging and Microsoft 365. Mm -hmm. We all know what an important investment that is um, across IT systems, all the way up and down um, the the scale. Interestingly, what I realized, especially when CISA put out their recent um, alert about tracking down the Chinese APT storm, um, they referenced how important this deeper logging availability is to ferret out whether or not you've been compromised. And in my reporting, I found even um, certain customers of Microsoft who had been told, "You, we know you were compromised by this, weren't able to gather their own evidence because they didn't have access to this premium tier of logging. Well, I went back to Microsoft and this isn't certainly isn't a new conversation. I mean, my experts that I talked to Jake Williams and the like had said, no, we've been wrestling this with this for quite some time. 
but as cybersecurity seems to be maturing, the thirst and the hunger for this sort of level of data, I think, is sort of caught up with Microsoft's model, I guess, is a, a fair way to, to cast yeah. it. So a couple of days later, I was fortunate. I woke up in the morning. I hadn't heard back. I thought, well, maybe they blew me off. It's been mm -hmm. known to happen. And uh, I got an email saying, you know, we decided to completely change the tiering system. Logging will be available. We're working with CISA. Now, I certainly don't take credit for, um, you know, breaking that story or causing Microsoft to move. But mm -hmm. I, I think I had it first and I was thrilled to be in the middle of something that is so, you know, in the guts of what my yeah. ridership does. Um, so that was one that I thought was particularly fun. I got a little rush. That, one. that is really cool. Yeah, I don't blame you because it's something that's so impactful and you you are in in the middle of all of that happening. So that that's super cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I asked earlier about topics that you think are interesting now. We talked about AI. Is there a certain topic in cybersecurity that you that you're kind of sick of hearing about? I'm sure you get lots of pitches every day and you you read things every day, but what are you sick of hearing about? Well, I, I hate to that, but you know, I mentioned it before zero trust. Um, I think that, you know, as an opening salvo for the, for the conversation, I think it was smart. I, I think in, you know, um, it served its purpose, but I think we've matured far beyond having that, um, blunt of a conversation about it because it is really more about identity management and mm -hmm. setting up a framework, um, that is more flexible than a, than a standard endpoint perimeter. And so that is one that I would be happy to um, see go by the wayside and replace with something more um, precise. Sure, no, that makes sense. Is there something that you think that should be, people should start paying more attention to now? Well, I mean, more attention to, I, I don't I don't think there's a bigger story going on right now from my perspective yeah. than the um, move it uh, sure. vulnerability. And it is tearing through, you know, Fortune 500s, Fortune 100s. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the companies who really are, are just kind of sitting at this point and waiting to see if they've been breached. I think it sort of has opened up a whole new um, or sort of leveled up maybe even this whole uh, ransomware um, business model. You know, the way you can lay and prepare the, the statistics I saw uh, yesterday out of IBM uh, and uh, I'm sorry, it is CoveWave, I believe. Mm -hmm. IBM has said that there's um, each incident is more expensive than ever for businesses. It's up to five, uh, $4.5 million per incident. And wow. there are things that they recommend you can do to, to decrease that. But importantly, at the same time, CoveWave uh, released a, a report saying they expect Klopp, who is behind the Move It vulnerability, stands to make a hundred million off of that one vulnerability. Wow. So, I mean, you can see where this concentration and how saying, spending a couple of years investing in vulnerabilities like these zero days are paying very serious dividends and doing serious damage. Yeah, that is an enormous amount of money. I hadn't heard those recent figures. Wow, that is, that's crazy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, we'll definitely um, keep an eye out on that. That story is still unfolding. Um, so I know dark reading has always had a large presence at Black Hat. Um, we always dark reading um, news desk and and see all, all of your team out there at the show. So what are the plans for this year's show in just a couple of weeks? 
we I've, it's we've been in intense discussions. Um, our our coverage really has already begun. Um, our our managing editor of news here, Seals, has orchestrated um, deep reporting on you know for us this is exciting as cybersecurity enterprise journalists because this research is really the meat and potatoes um, of of what we do and what our our readership does. So uh, Tara, she's uh, working on deep reporting with all of our staff on uh, the previews of the research. Mm-hmm. I, of course, will be at the news desk this year. I hope everybody stops by and checks us out live. Please no heckling. Mm-hmm. Um, although a little is probably uh, warranted. Um, and so we'll be there for two full days of live 10-minute interviews with researchers and CEOs and just a whole bunch of people from our newly formed CISO advisory panel, like Chingsi Wang, who I have been a fangirl of for years. So it's just going to be two full days of exciting conversations. Um, And then beyond that, our editor-in-chief, who everyone knows, she's legendary, Kelly Jackson Higgins, is going to be um, handling a panel, as is Fumita Y. Rashid, our other legendary uh, editor over here. So it'll be a full court press. Oh, and I should also mention Tara will be uh, hosting an early panel where she, after gathering all of our reporting, will sort of give everybody a, a cheat sheet, cliff notes version of what she's eyeing as the the top sessions to see. So people who are looking to make the most out of their time should really check that out. Yeah, that's probably a super helpful. Um, yes. What do you find? Like, I know you mentioned research, interviews. What do you find most valuable at the show for you from a reporting perspective? Uh, for me, in this day and age, I want to say that being able to get face-to-face with mm-hmm. people is such a treat. Um, so that in and of itself, you know, you, you get so much on a Zoom or, you know, you talk to your sources, but there's absolutely nothing like sitting down over a drink and going, what did you think about that? You know, so mm-hmm. those are the conversations that um, I love and I'm most looking forward to. Um, but also it's so helpful, the vendors um, on the floor, they really show us so much about what the market wants, where the market is going so, I mean, as much as our focus in our reporting is on the research and on the researchers and on a lot of top tier decision makers for obvious reasons, um, there is so much to be learned and so much to be gleaned from just walking the floor. And mm-hmm. again, coming back to why I'm here, listening to smart people, listening to experts talk to you about what they know best. And that is a treat no matter what your job as mm-hmm. far as yeah, that makes that makes sense. And it's so, you know, I've been I've been a black hat probably the past five or six years. It's so noisy there. There's so much going on. How how does a vendor stand out to you amongst all that noise? You know, there are people who are far more qualified than I to, you know, unpack the psychology of vendors and, and marketing mm-hmm. and, and marketers. For me, you know, it is sometimes it's just wandering around and running into somebody and going, okay, what are you guys doing? You know, I am also very fortunate in, um, in doing the webinars that I'm hearing conversations all the time. So, you know, something that I will have heard about that I don't know a lot about, I'll seek out those vendors. Um, But I, like everybody else, am just trying to stay on top of what is new. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but what is genuinely new, you know, my job uh, for my readership and, and Kelly has instilled this in us and it is handed down from the late great Tim Wilson that mm-hmm. our readership and our teams, we need to keep them in the forefront and, and top of mind in everything that we do. These cybersecurity teams are struggling with a, a communication and information problem. What is important? Yeah. What do I care about? What do I need to care about? And so if we can help them do that, so I tend to have all the conversations so that I can go back and and report what's what. So that's a tough question to answer, yeah. but I'll know more when I come back. How about that? Yeah, I think that's a great perspective and answer though, because it's like you obviously take it very seriously, you and your team at Dark Reading to talk to people and sort of pull out from those conversations what's new and what's important. And I think that's really like, back to basics of, of anything. It's like, sure, there's all these conversations happening, a, a bunch of vendors, all this stuff, but what truly is important and you delivering that to the readership is super helpful for everybody. It's what we're here to do. And again, we are reminded all the time, you know, because it's easy to chase or you think, oh, I love this topic. I think this is interesting. And you you tend to veer and want to do new things and have new conversations but, you know, we are always anchored in serving our enterprise security readers and viewers and helping them do their jobs better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. So you mentioned um, at least two full days, 10 minute interviews. How, how far in advance does the team plan the day, the day in the life, right, at Black Hat? How far in advance does that happen? I have been working on, and again, I do the editorial side. So yeah. I'm really only programming half of the two days and I've been working on it for at least a month. Okay. Um, so, because it's very important for our entire team that we have a diverse group. We have mm-hmm. a diverse group of experience and thought as well as background that we have thought leaders that we are giving opportunities to new voices in the industry mm-hmm. and not just relying on this, the same old not to say same old as, as a person of a certain age, sure. uh, veteran voices, yeah. I guess we could say, but I mean, it's, it's not, it's not taken lightly. And I hope that people who um, listen or view these interviews know that our team has spent a lot of time um, booking people that are not going to waste your time, that have something to say. And so that is my greatest hope. Um, that that's what comes across in the, at the end of the day. Yeah, I love that. That's super important. How do you, how are you able to, to figure out like the best people to come on that have something to say? I'm sure you get inundated with requests to be on. So how do you sort of sort through that? We do get a request. Our, we start with the researchers, you know, Black okay. Hat is fundamentally about the research. And so we want to get down to those roots. You know, one of our projects we have here is Black Hat Flashback, where we talk about historical groundbreaking monumental moments that happened at Black Hat that were size they changed the way the whole industry mm-hmm. saw itself and, and was seen. And so we, at the end of the day, um, rely on the research. We rely mm-hmm. on the researchers. And so from there, but we also have, you know, people that are doing new, interesting things or people we know that are going to have great takes, you know, on certain topics. And so we try to have a mix, you know, yeah. of 
of newbies and and vets and um, deeply technical and deeply business uh, invested. So mm-hmm. we hope we give everybody a little a little bit of everything. Yeah, very cool. Um, what is one of your favorite black hat flashbacks? To put you on the spot. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, there are a lot. Um, the one that comes to mind is, of course, the day uh, the internet broke. And so it was the day, I'm so sorry, I'm blanking on his name right now. Please give me one second. Oh, yeah. Your viewers are going to be horrified. (laughs) But (laughs) I have been, (laughs) uh, hold on. All that year, things blend together. As we speak on air, Dan Kaminsky. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, that is so embarrassing. The day he saved the internet. And so he is a beloved, late, great member of the cybersecurity community. And here this newbie walked up one day and presented the great DNS vulnerability that helped everybody realize that every uh, web page on the internet was exposed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Badly. So this is something that happened, um, you know, more than a decade ago, but still, you know, um, resonates. And so yeah. we have that. We have, um, you know what, I'm sorry, I should have been more prepared for this, but we have all kinds of different groundbreaking moments. So if you all want to check those out, it's where I sit down with um, Kelly and Famita and people who are in the room. And that is mm. something that was also very important is, you know, how did that go over it? For instance, Dan Kaminsky's grandmother had cookies for everyone oh the day that he presented this. So that's it's a amazing. fun uh, way to relive some of the big moments. So that's super fun. That. Yeah, I would definitely want to check that out. Um, that sounds really fun to, to kind of look back at everything. Um, cool. And then I know we have a couple um, additional questions here. So um, I'm sure, you know, you get inundated with requests, with pitches. Do you have um, any insight for our PR folks listening and marketing teams on how you prefer to be pitched? Are there any best practices to do or stay away from when trying to get in touch with you? Sure. To every PR and marketing person out there, I want to say thank you. Your pitches and your information flow feeds all of the beast. And so I want to first say, we see it. I know it can seem impossible to um, break through. I want to know that want um, all of you to know that when I'm researching a story, I will go through my inbox and revisit those pitches looking for experts on specific topics. Much like my job, it is a it is a timing issue. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say is tell us what you're doing. You don't need all the extra. We don't need you to go, you know, do a big dance or anything like that. We all know we have jobs to do. We are all terribly busy. So please keep the information coming. Know that we see it, know that it's in the hopper and probably when you least expect it will, will show up on your doorstep. But Mm -hmm. I want to thank all of you who have stayed late on a Friday to get me a quote on some esoteric thing. Mm -hmm. I want to thank all of you who have shepherded me to excellent sources, excellent guests, excellent ideas. Um, So I I just want to say thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. We see Mm -hmm. it. Keep it coming. Yeah, I love that. I think it's definitely a team effort and we definitely appreciate uh, people like you who are, you know, excited to collaborate and keep working together to tell these important stories. It's critical. 
Yeah. Um, and then are there any specific keynotes or sessions that you're really excited to attend at Black Hat or that you're kind of um, keeping an eye out for? Well, you know, I during most of the really cool ones, I am going to be stuck behind the news desk. And so, it's, right. Um, but the one I really am interested, you know, I love Jen Easterly. Talk mm -hmm. about a fangirl moment. I'm trying desperately to make her schedule work to sit down with me, but I would never miss an opportunity to see her. She's so bright and so exciting and, and is such a breath of fresh air. So that's one I would say is, is a must. Right. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Um, and then last question, sort of in a different direction, what is something that our listeners may not know about you um, as a reporter, um, something kind of outside of work that you're interested in? Um, well, I am, I'm based in Phoenix, Arizona. I am very hot right now. We are <laughs> still in the midst of, uh, uh, but mostly I got to tell you, I have a middle schooler. So when I'm not working, I am driving to practice and trying to keep her hydrated. So yeah. I'm kind of in the thick of that. So when I'm not working, I am dealing with my middle schooler with joy. Oh yeah, that is definitely a, a huge, <laughs> right? The driving around and everything. So precisely, but someday I'll get to have hobbies again. I'm looking forward to them. I'm open oh, to perfect. <laughs> Love that. Love it. Great. Well, um, it's been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better and hearing about, um, you know, the plans for Black Hat and about your background in general. It's been really insightful and really appreciate your time today. Thank you for listening. It's been lovely. Appreciate it. Awesome. And we'll definitely keep an eye out for all of Dark Reading's amazing coverage from the show. And we'll be very interested in following up with you after. Excellent. All right. Thanks so much, Becky. Thank you. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Inside the Media Minds. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Inside the Media Minds. To learn more about our podcast and hear all of our episodes, please visit us at w2com.com slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at Media Mind Show. And you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found.